You're listening to On the Road, Our Way, the archive of the podcast formerly known as Women on the Road from 2017 to 2020, hosted and produced by Laura Borshevsky and a production of Rabble Media. Before we jump into the show, we wanted to announce that we're looking for voice submissions for an upcoming episode of Women on the Road. And this time, we want to hear stories and insights from those of you who've transitioned to a more stationary life after traveling on the road for a time, or in the process of doing so. Whether you took part in a cross-country move, lived on the road full-time in a camper, or saved up for a summer-long road trip, the feelings of change associated with coming home or settling into a new routine off the road are something we want to know about. Follow the link in our show notes to get started, and we can't wait to hear your voice on an episode of Women on the Road. Sometimes there are moments where I feel like it must be insanity that we chose to couple a move with a road trip, but I also can't imagine moving any other way. (laughs) I'm Laura Hughes, and you're listening to Women on the Road, a podcast to bring you closer to some of the honest experiences that life on the road has to offer from the perspective of women who've lived it firsthand. When I first hit the road, I had a lot of people ask me if I was using my trip as an opportunity to move somewhere new. At the time, all I could think about were the dozens of pins tacked to a map in my kitchen, red ball tops staring at me longingly while I ate dinner each night after work. Not only was moving and resettling the last thing on my mind, but it sounded too stressful to live on the road and move simultaneously. Where do you put all of your things? Like, really? Do you take a trailer? What about when you get to where you're going? Do you already have a job lined up? What about the costs associated with moving? Doesn't that all make it harder to actually make the most of your travels? Regardless, I got that question, that moving question, a lot, and it baffled me every time. That is, until I got a message one day from my friend Kate Ortiz, who was moving back to Seattle after spending a couple years living in Ohio with her now-husband Enrique and their two cats, Robert and Aurora. I've known Kate since college, and even though our schedules, interests, and locations kept us apart for several years, I immediately found myself writing her a reply, hoping she'd pass through southern Utah and come stay with me for a few days. I offered her and Enrique the use of our shower and washing machine, and soon they were on their way, rolling north from New Mexico in their van, Dagmar. What's incredible about this story, to me, speaks to the way you can make virtually anything into a road adventure if you want to, and that keeping an open mind always calls more possibilities into your life than not. I honestly didn't think it would be enjoyable to do a road trip and move all at once, but I'm happy to say Kate's proved me wrong, not once, but twice. Once from Washington to Ohio and this time now on their return. So while they were staying in Utah, I sprung the idea of an interview on Kate, and after offering her a beer, she graciously accepted, piling into the stationary airstream in our driveway and taking a seat in front of the mic. Got my aqua floor. <laughs> so I saved my life on this trip. <laughs> oh yeah? Yeah, it's just like, it's super just- I'm catching up with Kate about three quarters of the way through her second cross-country move this one lasting about five weeks total, and started off by asking her about the camper she's living, traveling, and relocating in. This is our second cross-country move. We initially left Cleveland four weeks ago, and we have hit pretty much the East Coast. Our start point was Long Island, just because of friends, and we just kind of hit major cities down the way, just places we wanted to see and places we had friends, which was surprising to both of us that we had more people in more places than we initially had thought. And two years ago, we went from Seattle to Cleveland. 
we spent actually more time in the Southwest, but our trip was a little shorter just due to some time constraints. And we also coupled that with a move and we made some poor choices on planning that and how we wanted to move all of our belongings. So (laughs) we were much more limited on where we could go. So we kind of went, we just kind of went down um, through the Grand Canyon and through Texas and through Tennessee and then up to Ohio, which was our destination. That was about three weeks. So we were pretty experienced in the East Coast, the South, and the Southwest. And I have a lot of questions about that. Mm -hmm. And I actually forgot that that's something I'd also love to ask you about because I don't hear from a lot of people who travel on the East Coast or in the Southeast and... I myself haven't traveled very much by van on the East Coast or in the Southeast or the Midwest, which is where you both spent the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And I know you do a lot of, you know, weekend and part-time travel in your van, Dagmar. And so what has that been like both on this trip as you've been traveling on the East Coast and down into Florida, as well as just your part-time trips through the Midwest? How has camping looked, for instance? Mm -hmm. What, yeah, what is it like out there? much different than the Pacific Northwest, which is where we met and initially started kind of the van camping thing. Where we were located, um, Cleveland, is very central to a lot of drivable destinations. So we actually went east a lot. Throughout the couple years we were in Ohio, we drove to D.C., we drove to New York a handful of times, New York City, and also upstate New York, which is just drop-dead gorgeous, especially in the fall. A lot of outdoor stuff, drivable stuff, is really accessible. Um, in our opinion, we felt that people didn't value the outdoors in the same way that we did coming from the Northwest. So it was kind of cool taking our values from the Northwest out into the Midwest in the East Coast and just being able to soak up everything that it had to offer. And I will also say the van was quite a novelty. I can remember times we would just go for a short weekend trip in Ohio. It's They have some great state parks and we would have people come over and just want to look at the van. The van concept is just not as well adopted over there. Everyone's either tent or more often in their trailers and RVs. And so it was definitely a novelty for people to see that, which is fun for us because we love showing off Dagmar, our van. It's kind of cool, but it's also there are less resources for van lifers, I would say, which is why we did do more weekend stuff. I also feel like we took advantage of doing the weekend stuff because in the Pacific Northwest, it's harder to kind of up and go at least in the greater Seattle area at this time it's just a little bit more you have to plan in advance if you want to get like a nice site somewhere but yeah I I, we really enjoyed it we relied on a lot of KOAs on the east coast and (laughs) state parks were the gems that actually were much much cheaper than in the Pacific Northwest and in the west coast overall so we utilized a lot of those We had family out in Ohio, and a lot of them had no idea what was literally 45 to an hour away from them to be able to use. And people at work would see my pictures, you know, from camping that weekend and be like, oh my gosh, where is that? I'd be like, well, it's half an hour from here. (laughs) It's a great park. (laughs) You guys should go out. Everything you're saying makes it kind of sound like you and Enrique have been a little bit of a novelty yourselves, just with the way that you look at the Midwest and the outdoors and the East Coast and have been able to share that with other people, whether they're strangers or family or coworkers, which is kind of neat. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. It kind of felt like we were showing people what 
you know, what they have sometimes and what they can enjoy and appreciate. And, you know, and you don't need much. You do not need much to go out and have fun. Well, and I love what you said, too, about the campsites. And that's something that's been on my mind a lot. There's a lot of free camping out in the West and the Southwest. But really, if you're going to do a lot of the camping on the West Coast, for instance, you do need to book campsites. There's not a lot of free camping, and I think that's a common misconception. And so that ideal is kind of not real. And so a lot of people who want to do West Coast camping really demonize or put down like the Midwest and the Southeast and the East Coast is like, oh, you have to go get a campsite. But it sounds like there's so many beautiful campsites that just are being underutilized that it is easy to pick up and go, especially on the weekends, which is not the case with the West Coast or even the South. West. I, yeah, I completely agree. We camp throughout the summer and we camp throughout the fall in the Midwest and we would go in the peak of summer and sites would be empty and there was always something available unless it was like a recreation destination. Everyone had their boats and their RVs and stuff. That was one thing. There were a few like lakes and areas that were more popular, but other than that, you could always, always find a campsite within an hour and a half to two hours, um, whether it was in Ohio or Pennsylvania or upstate New York that was just beautiful and right there for the taking and no one was there so <laughs> and, and and tons of activities too like biking and fishing and there's just so much that we love to do and but I think our favorite is fall fall camping it's fun to get different perspectives and the states are so diverse it's like yeah get out to the east coast if you can so that's neat so you know, a lot of the big travel that you and Enrique have done have been around your two big moves. You know, one that you already did from Seattle moving out to Ohio after you got married and now moving back. And I guess I'm curious because in moving myself, I never would have thought to pair a big road trip with a move. Smart. That was probably smart. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like a really big logistical undertaking. So how did that conversation come about and what made you decide to do that not once but twice? That's an excellent question. <laughs> so we, we bought the van about eight months after we started dating. So the Dagmar van has been in our lives for a very, very long time. And then we decided to move to Ohio and then we got engaged. <laughs> and we had the van and at that point in our lives, we had, you know, no mortgage, no children, nothing like that. Not that we have that now, but it was just like, why not use this opportunity to see the country? Both of us have had some travel outside of the U.S., and it was just something that I was like, okay, I live here, and I've hardly seen any states. I've seen, like, the West Coast and a teeny tiny bit of the East Coast, and that was it. So let's take this opportunity. Let's pare everything down, which is so hard between two people when you're merging each other's lives. And let's just do the best we can. It was winter then as well. We prefer traveling in the winter just for little reasons like less people out, less insects. It's easier to warm the van than it is to cool the van. But yeah, I, I can't, I, sometimes there are moments where I feel like it must be insanity that we chose to couple a move with a road trip. Because sometimes I think of, wow, why didn't we just put everything in storage and travel around? But it ended up working out on the way to Ohio from Seattle a couple years ago. We decided instead of shipping our small amount of belongings we would have a small trailer and we would strap everything down and the van did fine 
you know, towing everything, but we ran into some issues right off the bat with that, and it ended up costing us a lot more in the long run just with certain repairs, and it really, really limited where we were able to go in terms of wanting to explore and like, oh, I really want to do this thing, but, you know, oh my gosh, we need to find, like, a campsite or something to drop the trailer off, and then we can drive, and it was really hard to, like, hey, we want to go into Albuquerque, and go grab a beer or something but on the way back we decided to ship our items and so it's just the van now we have our bikes hitched to the front of the van and we have a small storage box on the back hitch which has just opened up opportunities so much more and our trip is already longer than it was I think Enrique and I are both somewhat efficient people and instead of like hey let's take a separate time to move and then a separate time to do a road trip let's just couple them and see what happens and see what works and you know the van's a lot fuller we have our pets with us you know and there's like this small sense of urgency it's like okay we're moving do we need to get to our destination and start getting jobs and and stuff like that but you know those those are just the feelings that creep in I feel like on any kind of road trip but overall it's been a successful move I would say and I wouldn't change anything this time I don't think <laughs> yeah I was gonna ask how have you approached this trip back compared to the first time you went out have you done anything different yeah mainly just planning a little bit longer and in advance finances are always stressful and hard moving this time around, we decided to use a shipping company through the Greyhound buses. It's called Bus Freighter. And we ship, I mean, we pared down a lot, which I didn't think was possible. We pared down so much on the way here. But on the way back, we pared down even more. We had about 16 storage bins between the two of us and then what we had in the van. And we used Bus Freighter and everything arrived safely in the Seattle area at our friend's house. So we would definitely use them again. They're super cost efficient. We recommended it to someone already and they used it with zero problems as well. And we had a very, we feel like we had a bit bigger of an order and they handle it fine. So just a lot more foresight and just saving and planning out more what we wanted for our future and what our goals were. Well, and it's nice to hear that you were able to pare a lot down. That's actually something that people in the Women on the Road community ask about a lot mm -hmm. as they're preparing for a longer trip or a big transition that they're pairing with some travel on the road. And do you have any tips or things that you both did that worked well or things that you told yourself or thought that helped yeah. to guide you while you pared down? You know, having done the move once already, there were certain things that we carried out here on our trailer the first time that we didn't touch or kind of set around and their value totally changed after the two years. We were just like, why did I take this out here? Honestly, it was really just like, because we're also moving, what are things that would just not be worth it to rebuy or rehab in our next place. We kind of save just enough so wherever we end up we'll have like kitchen stuff and obviously memorabilia and sentimental stuff. But yeah, it, it was really challenging. It was definitely a couple month process. Honestly, it's probably more like six months, but <laughs> it, it gets really down to it in the last few months. It's just a matter of organizing, and Enrique and I have very different strategies when it comes to this. I probably had most of my stuff pared down and ready to go 
well before Thanksgiving. We love we the game. <laughs> Enrique in the hand. Um, he just works differently. You know, he was using a lot of the stuff up until we moved because he has a lot of hobbies and money-making abilities like his bikes and his camera stuff and studio stuff. So it just it wasn't realistic for him to just pack everything and have everything away when we're still in Cleveland and still trying to make money. So... I don't know. I don't know if I have any words of wisdom when it comes to paring down, but just be tough with yourself. Um, we both had tough conversations with ourselves that just like, we just really, really need to reevaluate what is um, important to us and what we really want, like right off the bat to hit the ground running at our final destination. And I mean, there's just so many different ways to be organized and how you value things. You just, you gotta be tough with yourself, I think. <laughs> I totally agree. And I've learned, especially recently, you can always get more stuff. Absolutely. Even if it seems like you can't or if you're worried about, especially when you're moving states and you're going to be doing a lot up front to put down for some place to live and you don't have a job lined up, it can feel like I'm not going to have money for this. And it goes into the scarcity mindset. But honestly, you will always fill the space of wherever you're living. So oh, you can get rid of whatever you don't immediately need or isn't of the utmost importance to you because you'll always get it back. I completely agree with that. We found that time, both moves. It's just, we will always make do, you know, and we're big on the thrifty shopping. You know, we don't like to buy stuff new unless it's something you really want to buy new. But yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Well, like case in point, I've been living in an apartment now for about two and a half months and I have so much stuff that when you showed up I was like she has almost no clothes now so I had a bag full of clothes I was like here try these on see if you want anything and I remember making the comment last night of like oh you have 20% more clothes now because you had a stack of clothes and I was like oh your clothes don't really fit in the van now but they will in the next place you live I know, exactly. Yeah, clothes and shoes, that's just something that I just was like, what am I going to be wearing every single day on the road, but also something that I can transition into, quote-unquote, regular life. <laughs> How did you prepare for that with winter camping? Because I find that to be really challenging. I want to bring pretty much every piece of clothing that I have. <laughs> so. Oh, I understand. We were on the East Coast days after, you know, the big storms were hitting. There was 12 inches of snow staying outside our friend's house, and... You want your boots and you want your warm clothes. You want seven layers because I'm a cold person. But then we also were like, okay, but we're also going to be in Florida in a week and a half or two weeks, you know, like we might be able to break out the sandals. So that was a big thing. We ended up taking like our core clothes, you know, a few pairs of pants, our regular tops, and then just like primary layers. Like just we each had like two mid layers and then we have our giant puffies and then I saved in the depths of my luggage just a little swimsuit and my pair of shorts <laughs> and, like, some sandals, which we totally used in Florida and was amazing and felt great. We definitely looked silly in southern Florida with our skis and snowshoes strapped to the top of the van. <laughs> but, yeah, we, we made it all work. I don't think we've had a moment on the road yet where we've thought we wished we had something that we didn't have in the van and I also feel like we've used everything in the van um, like staying at a friend's house you need these few things if we're at a campground we use everything you know it's just much more rustic and 
Um, so yeah, we, we did good between the two of us, even if we hit like little snags or a little conflict overall, I think we kind of complimented each other with how prepared we are. (laughs) I would agree. And I also have been really impressed with how you two have showed up at friends houses as one of the friends houses that you've been staying at (laughs) is really good modeling because I on the road didn't stay with friends very often or really much at all. And part of it was just not really planning to stay because the places I wanted to visit, I didn't have friends there. And the other part of it was honestly not really feeling like I had a lot to offer. And seeing how you and Enrique have shown up has been really cool. Like brought in your instant pot and like made us dinner a couple nights which was super awesome (laughs) yeah you guys are traveling with an instant pot which is cool and then it's been a really cool exchange just honestly yeah you two have been really great guests and it's been fun (laughs) having you here and also yeah it's made me want to stay with friends a little bit more because it's been super easy and just what you've been able to contribute really defies a lot of how I felt on the road sometimes which was very survivalist of like what do I need where am I going what am I doing and that was a really hard attitude to confront all the time because I wanted to engage and give back Mm -hmm. so I've enjoyed seeing how you both have shown up at friends houses and how you've contributed it's been really cool yeah well we've had four weeks of practice no (laughs) uh no I absolutely actually we were similar to what you just said on the way to Cleveland our first road trip we were very timid you know we did a lot of research of what we wanted to see in our timeline but we just I don't think we stayed with any friends other than maybe my grandparents in Nevada I don't know what was in our heads we just weren't really thinking about it but when we were in Cleveland we got a really really awesome community of friends and they were brand new to us and yet we cared for them so very deeply we just started to open up to people's generosity is the only way I could say it and One of the things I feel like I've learned getting a little bit older is that people want to help and people want to be involved and they want to be a part of your lives and people are excited for you and other people. And so on the way back, you know, we really tailored this trip to where we knew people, which thankfully was a lot of places in the East and the South and the Southwest. And we basically did a huge you from Cleveland down to Florida and back up again. And my goodness, we would not have made it this long on the trip. We would have had to cut it short without people inviting us into their homes and letting us use their bathrooms or laundry rooms. Or we had a friend in Florida let us use a car while we were there. And we get there and we're like, are you sure? Are you sure? It feels so weird to ask people to come into their homes and kind of interrupt their lives and we've had single people we've had couples and we've had people with children or children on the way (laughs) and every single one of them was just like no like let us show you around come in our home like use our spare bedroom oh my gosh put the cats inside you know like just the nicest things that we would never expect and we're so grateful and I've definitely been encouraging Enrique to cook for them because Enrique is an excellent cook and he is an excellent cook (laughs) he's so modest about it but yeah it's just we we like to do whatever we can but it's honestly what people have told us over and over again it's just that we're there and made the effort to come out and reconnect and another thing we've learned over and over again is that there's only so much you can know just from watching their updates on social media and while that's a wonderful wonderful tool to stay connected Every single person we have stayed with has had a story or a life event, good and bad, that has just been 
shared with us that, and you know, and every time we leave someone, it's like, we have to stay in touch, like real in touch, you know, like this, it's such an amazing human connection, sharing a meal with someone. And so I think that's the part of this trip, as stressful as parts of it can be with the move and everything, that part of it, we will never, ever forget. We'll really carry it and FYI we will always have open doors for anybody <laughs> in our future home <laughs> and you'll know exactly what someone traveling on the road needs <laughs> right right yeah come on <laughs> exactly yeah it was like when you called and we're like we're gonna be coming tonight I was like you can use our washing machine you can use our shower you let us know if you need anything and we were just like <laughs> we do need showers I remember you being like yes showers, showers yes <laughs> yeah sounds glorious We'll hear more from Kate and her two cats after this. When I traveled on the road full time, keeping meals simple was the name of the game, with few spices and basic ingredients prepared the same way nearly every day. And wow, did that get boring. So when I transitioned to having a home base in Utah, one of the first things I did was get back into trying new recipes, but I didn't really know where to begin. Fortunately, I found out about Green Chef a USDA-certified organic company that makes cooking new, high-quality meals a breeze. Green Chef lets you choose from a wide array of easy-to-follow lifestyles with a variety of organic ingredients. The recipes are quick and easy, with step-by-step instructions, chef tips, and photos to guide you along. And Green Chef's expert chefs design flavorful recipes for your lifestyle that will go way beyond ordinary substitutions. So no matter your eating habits and dietary needs, you can enjoy a nice dinner with minimal effort. Meal plans include paleo, vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian, Mediterranean, heart smart, lean and clean, keto, gluten-free, and omnivore. I tried Green Chef's Keto Box and was amazed at how satisfying each meal was, perfectly portioned and sustainably sourced. The cumin roasted pork chops with fresh bell pepper, jicama, and red onion was incredible, and even came with a delicious pre-made chimichurri sauce made with wholesome ingredients. Coming from the single burner camp stove kitchen I used to use every single day, I surprised myself with how well everything turned out. With Green Chef, it's easy to eat well and discover new recipes every week that you'll love to cook. And with my eye on organizing my next trip, it's nice to know that Green Chef is looking out for my dinner plans. For $50 off your first box of Green Chef, go to greenchef.us WOTR. That's greenchef.us WOTR for $50 off your first box. Living with cats in a van is very similar with living with cats in your home. <laughs> By now, it's no secret that Kate travels with her two cats, so I wanted to know a little bit more about what that's like. My two kitties, they were with us on the way to Cleveland. We were really worried at first, but they really adapted within a day or so of being on the road. The little logistics of like, okay, we need to build a little cubby for their cat box, which Enrique did, you know, food and water kind of things, just little logistics. But other than that, they're pretty chill. They are older. If we're at a quieter campsite, which has happened a few times, we will put them on the leashes and their little harnesses and they'll go out and eat grass and <laughs> have a good time. My sister always joked that my cats have been to more places than she has. <laughs> 
which is true. <laughs> or maybe a lot of people, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Robert's getting up there in the years, and we definitely owe him like a nice golden retirement after this trip. He's kind of like, all right, I like this, but I kind of just want to sit somewhere. <laughs> so yeah, it, it honestly, it feels funny saying it, but it's been very easy. Like, there's been no major issues, and yeah, they're super social. They like people, and they like nature, so <laughs> it's been great. <laughs> I like what you said the other day, too, about being able to keep them warm with the heater system that you guys have in the van. How does that work and how does that help, especially this time of year when a lot of people don't go out traveling and they don't go out traveling with their pets because they're worried about them being cold? Like I mentioned, for us, it's been easier to keep the van warm over cooler. We don't really have an AC at this point, which is why we chose to do both trips in the January, February time. On the way to Cleveland two years ago, we did not have a heater system. Actually, we had two. We had the Mr. Buddy propane, and then we had this little plug-in like air heater that you might have at your office desk or something. And that was another restraint on the way coming to Cleveland was that to use that heater, we had to be plugged in. So we had to find KOAs. We had to find places. We had one night on the way that was in Bryce Canyon, which was completely worth it. <laughs> but it was super snowy and we pulled up and there was no hookup. So we're like, okay, we can do this for one night. Aurora is nimble enough to sleep with us in our pop top. So she'll climb up and sleep under the blankets with us. So we weren't concerned about her, but Robert likes, you know, he just sits down on the cushions downstairs <laughs> down in the bottom of the van and so we basically made a down blanket nest around him and we checked on him a few times during the night we'd put our hand in there and it was warm but he did not move the whole night so we knew we had to find out something and we got really lucky the people we met in Cleveland and we call them our van camping friends because it was a very rare group of couples that all had Westies and their camper vans and and one of them was a mechanic, and he, in his van, installed a propane heater called the Propex, which is actually something that's manufactured in England, but more of the dealers are actually in the West, Colorado and Washington and a few other places. So being in Cleveland, we're like, okay, we need to get our hands on one of these things. So we ordered one up, and our wonderful friend in Cleveland, the mechanic, we hired him to install it. And it has absolutely been a game changer. We can park the car in Baltimore when it's freezing cold out, turn on the propane heater and go explore the city while the cats just stay nice and toasty. We had to put a little sign on the window, making sure the public knew that they were warm and not freezing cold kitties. <laughs> so yeah, that's been a game changer. We've been able to stay in people's driveways without plugging in. We've been able to stay at campsites that don't have those plugins. So that was a huge update that we really worked towards and we do not regret at all. And we will use that thing until we are done with the van, which I don't know when that will be, but <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about all the benefits of that heater until you started saying like, yeah, we don't have to plug in. We don't have to do this. And then the thermostat is really cool. Just yeah. seeing you know, even when we've been out driving around like yesterday where it's on if it's cold and then it's not if yeah. it's warm enough. And when the sun heats up the van, then it's not going on. So yeah. the cats are staying temperature regulated, which, you know, one of the benefits of traveling with cats that I've just picked up on from being with you two and the cats is that 
they don't need to go outside a whole lot. They're homebodies. They're happy to look out the windows and see what's going on. And that's all that they really need. Unlike a dog who probably needs to go out quite a bit more, the cats are happy to stay inside. So just regulating their temperature and making sure they have a clean cat box and food and water is really it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We even, we fashioned a little water bowl out of an old like cottage cheese container. So we can put the lid on it when we're driving. And as soon as we stop, I just peel the lid off and then they can drink at their leisure. One other thing I've loved about seeing the cats on the road too, just Mm -hmm. when we've been driving around, even on some dirt roads, is how well they have adapted to (laughs) riding in the van. And I, you know, there's a little window ledge essentially that I don't know if it came with the van or if you all built it he actually just built that he built this nice little it's like like a cubby and it actually pulls out so you can put stuff and use it as a surface when we're in the van like cooking and stuff it's it's cool yeah yeah it's like when it's closed it's this little window ledge that Aurora (laughs) likes to sit on to watch and while the van's moving and turning and tilting she's on it and I asked while we were driving is she ever going to fall off that? Does it? Does she fall off? And you were like, no, she doesn't. You know, and she's kind of holding on for dear life, but she's happy to be looking out the window. And I I mean, you would think, and I thought that older cats wouldn't be able to adapt very well because even with dogs or like start them off as puppies and cats don't change as much as dogs do usually and adapt as well. So I was like, oh gosh, I wonder how our cats are doing traveling around yeah. this much, but they seem to really be doing well. Was there any, like, period where they were trying to figure it out, too? The first time when we initially left Seattle, um, they had a little bit of trauma at the very beginning. And we had the van set up a teeny bit differently. And Aurora, you know, they just, they were kind of freaked. And they would burrow and be scared. But this second time around, even though we hadn't really taken them in the van at all between the two trips immediately Aurora climbed up on her little porch in between the driver's seat and the passenger seat and over um over the first week when I was really like no you cannot go in the driver's pedals like that's not safe she really has got accustomed to that and doesn't really try to go anywhere dangerous anymore and she loves looking at the window when we're stopped she loves sitting up in the dashboard and you know when we're driving through cities like I remember in Philadelphia it was every single person that walked by was like meow <laughs> she just wanted to say hi to everybody she wasn't scared or nervous she just wanted to go meow <laughs> people would kind of look in and be like oh there's a cat in there <laughs> before Kate and I went inside to check on dinner I asked her for some advice for those out there thinking about how to make their next move into an epic adventure it is a challenge coupling it with a move for sure but I also can't imagine moving any other way. <laughs> Just doing this twice. I remember the first trip so well, and I know I'm going to remember the majority of this trip so well. I would say that my two biggest pieces of advice would be rely on your friends and family because they want to help and people in our experience have been just awesome and they have been the fuel that has kept us going and not just driving straight up to Seattle and just getting it over with we're like no we really want to see this person and just people inviting us in their home so rely on people and just keep a really open mind if things are going to be completely different always than the way you initially imagine Thanks so much to my dear friend Kate Ortiz for her openness, humor, and care in this conversation. 
Kate's journey back to Seattle is over, but she still finds plenty of outdoor adventures and road travels in her spare time. You can find her on Instagram at katetron with two N's. We'll also link her profile in our show notes. We'll be back in your feed soon with our next episode. But in the meantime, make sure to find us on social media. We're on Instagram at Women on the Road and on Facebook, including our Facebook group for community questions, stories, and support, which you can find by searching for Women on the Road podcast. Don't forget to send in a voice submission about your journey after the road. And also, if you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Music is by Josh Woodward. This episode was edited by me with website support from Gail Straub. Women on the Road is a production of Ravel Creative. We'll see you out there. She doesn't trust that thing. <laughs> <laughs>